Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees I fell. Met a ghost of a king on the road. Oh, we're into episode 98 of the story. How do you, how do you say that in German? I don't know, but Latin would be. We don't do that. <laughs> That's how we say that in German. C minus one one. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Subtract two from a hundred. One one C. Yes. Episode one one C today coming yep. to you from Balmy, Idaho. Yep. Yep. I've been watching the newcomers to our town not know how to handle the weather and I've been wanting to give them advice, but I realize it's sink or swim at this time. Yeah, of just year. you know what? <laughs> Move away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you need to learn to like 25 degrees. 25 degrees is a great temperature. It's fantastic. It's a great I temperature. I want it dry. I what I don't want is the, the wet. I really don't care for 34. Mm. 34, yep. 35. I'm yep. just like, can we get all the way up into like spring? Yep. They all say, hey, we... look, it's gonna be raining in 34 next week. Or can that we that is a bad mm. temperature? That's <laughs> cold. <laughs> It's also dark. Yep. When we have the snow, the rain in 34 is dark. Yeah. When we have all the snow, the snow floor and the the overcast skies, it's really bright. Mm-hmm. It stays light and that's it. I actually, it was really, it was really funny on this note. I've had so many conversations with, uh, with people who've moved here that you kind of get into the, into the rigmarole of like telling them how to brace themselves for, yeah. for winter. So I'm talking to you at my, my sister's house. They have some guests over and I'm talking to them. They just moved here right before the winter, right at Thanksgiving-ish. Uh, They're from Texas. And I was like, oh boy. Oh boy, you ready? And they're just like, yeah. So I'm, I'm giving them all the story about the winter and how to brace themselves for it. And then uh, afterwards, like all the way into it, I've said all the things about the bright nights and the temperature and the dry cold and all the <laughs> snow and everything else. Then I learned that the wife had lived in alaska it's like oh yeah for years <laughs> i was like oh why did you let why me did you not say something <laughs> why did you not say like, what, what, i understand like oh we cold. just we, we really just wasted like half an hour and <laughs> of my time of your time you know all these things maybe yes, her husband wasn't yes, listening to you her were <laughs> you were living in texas and now you're here but you lived in alaska it's like i got nothing to say to you you should give me tips yeah like yeah. she should have been giving me tips on on winter was, I, I laughed actually quite a bit after yeah. that when i was leaving i was like oh man good thing good thing i learned you good, good good thing i learned john how the nights are bright <laughs> <laughs> she's like yeah i know the aurora borealis <laughs> we yeah do the, we, we just <laughs> walk around by the northern lights yeah the stars are blinding we wear ray-bans in the evening times yep um yeah anyway it is funny so i do you can get in that mode you're just talking to californians and you're Texans trying to and, yeah you're trying to hype them and up. then suddenly you're talking to somebody who came yeah sure from texas but via well, yeah via texas from alaska and yeah that yeah whatever the, the saddest one like i've seen wolves <laughs> <laughs> yeah idaho uh and i will say this for every, we love idaho idaho is great but we're kind of like on the spectrum there's idaho then there's there's our louder drunker sister montana mm-hmm. uh, then there's above that alaska mm-hmm. alaska is it's just it's a different world. It's going to kill you dead. Yeah. Uh, much more quickly than Idaho will. I mean, will. bugs all summer, freezing cold all winter. Yeah, it's going to get you. Yeah. So anyway, we it is, it, nice we're on place. the scale. It's all, it's very similar. A lot of, a lot of similar things. And then Alaska just like cranks that knob all the way up to impossible. Mm-hmm. 
So, well, the saddest ones are the people who are saying, who are thinking that the warm weather right now means spring is around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not sure whether to just dash their hopes or let them figure it out on their own. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Spring's basically around the corner. <laughs> three Bless more me. months. Sneezing of cold. off to the side. Um, yeah. Yeah, three more months. We got a lot. There's a lot. We're in it. We're in the uh, pre resurrection time. We're in the grave. Yep. Be ready for Easter when it comes. Yeah. Be, we will be ready for sure. So, <laughs> well, uh, let's say 98. I hope you all are excited for episode 100, as excited as Nate and I are. Yeah, it's going to be amazing uh, because we're going to have nachos or something. Nachos. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, maybe nachos is I, I actually, for 100. <laughs> I was really quickly trying to think of the worst possible food to eat into a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Grape so, nuts would be the only, uh, the only something <laughs> really slurpy. Just the <laughs> only ramen. Should we have a ramen party? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> With some of that floppy pig yeah. meat they put in the ramen. It'll be know. good. So what do you, did you have anything to cover today? Well, I think we were going to do Christian art. Yep. We're going to talk Christian art. Yep. Anything else? Any other wild cards? No, that was, I have a few stored up, but we'll save them for 99. Because okay. um, 99 is that episode that doesn't matter before you get to it. Yeah, I got, I actually was hit with an interesting question uh, at the Canon Christmas party. Random question aside as I was exiting, which is, could you write a story that is a happy story, happy ending about a female protagonist? that does not end with her finding a man like oh, wow. getting married it's like yeah i mean i'll just i'll just say that here yes mm -hmm. easy, uh easily so okay like and there we go i mean the the traditional understanding or distinction is that tragedy ends with death and comedy ends with a wedding so i think wouldn't the question also be can you write a story about a happy a happy man a complete fulfilled man yeah. It also doesn't have those aspects, the wedding aspect. And it seems like, of course. Of course, especially because stories are not, you're not telling a life story, you're telling a story. Like yeah. there's, there's a character journey, there's an arc, there's a person who's progressing. So yeah, there's almost like unlimited happy stories. Yeah, and especially with your emphasis on the lens through which you tell the story. Yeah. If you're zooming in tight, then yeah, maybe, maybe a story is. Now the consumers might not want it, uh, that's a different question, I that's guess. A, that's a marketing, totally different question. But could the story itself be a good story, well told and really fun to read? Absolutely. Yeah. No question. Could you tell It's a Wonderful Life without him having a family? No, I think that's the whole point of the movie. <laughs> the, point, the point of the movie is he need, the family's better. Yeah, particular stories, particular stories need the, the whole structure. I mean, I guess if you take the whole, okay, what if you take the whole, whole life then as your lens? Still. Yeah, like still, but the, even there, you got to realize that the the life is not a three act narrative. There's going to be a lot of microcosms and mm -hmm. periods of suffering and struggle and and success and fulfillment. There's going to be a lot of rise and fall mm -hmm. through the whole thing. So, sure, you absolutely could. Yeah, and I guess I was thinking of Paul, of course, as our yeah. prototypical familyless, yeah, great guy. Yep, for <laughs> but, sure. But he, I guess with him, he had many children. At least that's how we referred to them. He said, right. my, my son, Timothy, you know, um, and he viewed a passionate, passionate affection for the Corinthian passionate family, family man. Yeah. Very, very large family, but, yep. a, but a passionate family man. And, and the, you could tell his whole life story. You could tell any like chunks that are framed correctly. Uh, but it is actually, this is, this brings us to our big topic because it's like, what is a happy story? What is 
and this this is the time we've already joked about like the the super saccharine christmas movies and everything mm-hmm. else uh sentimentality and all that kind of stuff but christians just get into that evangelicals get into that sentimentality so quickly and they think of that sentimentality as happy as like that is the happy ending um and it's not it just isn't yeah and so cr- okay. christian christian art is um i mean i there's no art that is repented and believed right but art from christians art created by christians or art that honors god you know that actually is doing those things art that meets the philippians test the whatever is yeah true but art art that report. is god honoring um is not sentimental it just isn't and so that that always kind of creeps in and when we talk about christian art and this is kind of jumping off of uh, our last conversation, but then also bouncing off of my, I just, I just saw Handel's Messiah live um, from the New York Philharmonic and it was ridiculous, like just fully and completely ridiculous and profoundly inspiring in so many ways, but it's possible. You were there. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So sitting pretty front and center, like sitting there watching, you know, the best in the world wow do this um in the lincoln center in manhattan and it was uh phenomenal but one of the things that's so inspiring about it is watching uh watching pagan manhattan come together and these people from all over the world who are really gifted musicians from countries handel never heard of Mm -hmm. you know like perform his work and uh, this glorious gospel work. I mean, just magnificent and do it as, as you know, in a deeply moving, effective, compelling way and in a way that they're moved by. Okay. So yeah, even you're though watching, they don't believe what they're No, they don't. And so you're playing. sitting, you're going through the program and here's all the Bible verses and here's all the references. And I think that, that right there is the ultimate goal for all Christian art. Hmm. And to, to like reframe it is uh, a, a friend of mine who's a showrunner on some on some big netflix shows um he told me it's like you know you know you're doing it right like you know you're doing it right when the best talent wants on your show Mm -hmm. the best talent in the industry wants on your show and they don't give a rip about what you're doing like what your like what your agenda might be or what your uh you know what your motivations might be like what what you're glorifying you so, the story has a magnetism that yeah that, g- greatness like artistic greatness has a magnetism that just overwhelms it just overwhelms and i, I think it's possible that handles messiah is the high point of christian art like there might i'm trying to th- I've, I've been trying to think since then like what is what actually is better is this is this the current high watermark that other people need to try to like, okay, wow. overcome like, is that it? Is that the bar? Is that where it is? And I think it probably is. I think that because it, the, I guess break it down a little because the text, I guess you're saying the text is the story of salvation. Yeah. Right. And then the music yeah. is, this is a big, you know, here we are, this big, you know, massive Christmas piece mm-hmm. uh, of music. And I'm sitting, so if you put, like, put yourself sitting in a crowd of Manhattanites watching uh, Suzuki the conductor from japan Mm -hmm. 
like so he's from japan you're you've got this viola player from you know north africa and you got this singer from, you know who's african descent you've got all these asians like scattered through and like this viking in the choir and like obviously of like northern <laughs> european descent and there's this scattering native american soloists like you have all like it's a complete it was a complete it's a world wild yeah it was the world and yeah. these are it's and it's a musical operation that is the best in the world i mean that's the like that's the whole thing <laughs> like we're the new york philharmonic we're we're really really good and there are others that are as competitive but it's like it's like a top nba team you know like there's other top nba teams too but but these are these are people who make you know more than a million dollars a year to play the violin that's how good they are you know like this wow. is and they're playing instruments that even they can't afford but have to be endowed and underwritten because the instruments are ancient <laughs> and magnificent as well so you go sit down there and you think okay so here's a guy who wrote a christmas piece of music that centuries after he's dead and gone, like centuries later, people from around the world are still gathering, like are still, are they're still gathering mm -hmm. to try to execute his work. And they're trying to perform and deliver his work that honors God very, very overtly, more overtly than you could I mean, really stand. <laughs> it's like yeah. you're, you're just reading Bible, you're listening to listening to Bible, yeah. it's like the art is all in the music and the performance because it's just a scripture reading. It's just, you're just going through, yeah. uh, you know, the sin, the Advent verses and, yeah. and that you're just marching through uh, and watching it overwhelm people, like overwhelm people with its power and its beauty as it's just this like burning fire of gospel. And to think that here are these pagans who recognize the brightness of this, of this beauty they recognize it such that they are investing their money and their talents and their efforts to broadcast it, to amplify it. Like they're working, they are just being overwhelmed by it and are being sucked into its mission, like being carried on the tide. So I don't care if what that soloist thinks, they're singing these words. I don't care what that violinist thinks, they're like executing magnificently. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter if we pulled the choir like to see what they actually believe they're singing all those words they're standing up and praising god mm -hmm. and doing doing it with this um incredible skill like they're they're doing it with this incredible skill and they've been drawn to it because they have skill and they need something that like resonates and is uh you know really really resonates with their own skill with their own calling as creatures and so it, it is weird to watch pagan nations erect a lighthouse of just grace and beauty and mm. and gospel goodness and when you watch that and there's like this weird post-millennial picture because here's all these people from all around the world who have come together to do this yeah and to do this right now and i'm sitting around and you're looking around and this is you know the kind of people who go to the lincoln center in manhattan it's not just even everybody in manhattan you're talking about kind of the snot wads you know like there's <laughs> there's there's a lot of uh the elites yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of hoity, you know, a little bit of entitlement, and there's all this, and you watch them just get blown away by the Hallelujah chorus, and you watch a Lincoln and Center stand up, everyone yeah. rises to their feet in the Lincoln Center, and it's a sold out, you know, performance, and then you watch the scattering of people boycotting the stand up, oh, really? which is really that that I loved a lot. There are these pockets, and it was an intense minority, but these these people just stubbornly 
just hanging on to their seats. And I know it's because it's not that they're anti-royalists. It's not that they understand the history, the, the history, king the king, this king stood for the Hallelujah Chorus. And now we, there's a tradition that we all stand for the Hallelujah Chorus. It's not, that's not why um, they're doing it. Like we're, you listen to the words, <laughs> you know, it's like, just there's this he shall reign forever yeah, he's gonna ever, he's gonna ever. reign forever <laughs> and they're like oh. wonderful counselor <laughs> yeah. uh you know it's like and you've got all the stuff that they've been but hallelujah is a, the hallelujah course especially is amazing but earlier too like all the different the, the sections about guilt and sin and darkness and mm -hmm. and the actual passion like the actual persecution of christ yeah. like listening to a soloist just emphasizing Christ getting like the spit in his face, yeah. Then having the hairs of his beard ripped out. And it's like it's all just so spelled out, yeah. and it's it's actually one of the the perfect examples to me of uh, why it's sad that some really talented Christians think they can't be overt. Hmm. Like I can't be overtly Christian because they equate that with the sentimentality. There's mm. nothing sentimental about that. About, about handless messiah like nothing yeah. nothing at all it's it is man it's it's uh intense you yeah know, it's, i mean it it's just i mean from even the refiner's fire chorus where that yep. guy just you know just soloist yep. is just going on and on all yep. the way up to the big choral pieces to um the melodic pieces that stick in your mind as a kid that you still listen to later. I mean, yep. almost it's not fair to compare that to other art because yeah, I mean, it's just <laughs> it's just have layers and layers of yeah. history. Even the standing, the fact that we are all standing because everybody knows centuries later, everybody knows. I hear this start, and here we go. This was overwhelming to the king, and nobody, very few people know that story. They just know this is where we stand. I, I mean, was he overwhelmed? I just thought he walked out at one time, and that kind of stuck. Or was it? It's uh, or what? Is well, that? the the urban legend that I was told was that he was deeply moved by it and rose to his feet. That he stood for the Hallelujah Chorus, and so everyone had to stand when he stood. Right, and so now. Like that's we all stand. Everybody stands. That's great. Um, and now that's Christian that, culture, right? Like there. that's that's <laughs> the momentum of it. But why did everybody stand in the Lincoln Center? It's like, well, because it was amazing, and a few people did, and as they did, others like also needed to express the same thing, and then others were just trying to like, uh oh, is this what we do? And they're the, all just standing up. <laughs> the peer pressure. <laughs> yeah, there's people standing by peer pressure. People standing because they're moved. Yeah. Like there's all this, and then there's people like glued to their seats because they're, you know, stubbornly, I am here for the harmonies and I am not here <laughs> for the experience, for the, for the <laughs> meaning or for any of that. Um, and it was, you know, maybe, maybe 1%, 2% of the crowd stubbornly sat, yeah. um, really hilariously, including because people in Lincoln center can sit, uh, the, at least in this auditorium, uh, they could sit behind the stage. And so there's a balcony of people behind the choir and everything and so people right in the front row like the whole a whole place is stood and there's people right in the front row right over the orchestra right over the choir just like yeah. i will not stand <laughs> just, just white knuckling yeah just <laughs> as the I'm music is literally picking them <laughs> yeah, up <laughs> yeah exactly so the the fact that you can be as overt as handle is and that powerful like that glorious like nobody could look at that and be like, it's a little sentimental. It's a little on the nose. Handles besides a little on the nose. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course it is. It's it's on the nose with a sledgehammer. <laughs> you know, it's like it's just okay. It's so on idea. the nose and it's so sophisticated. And then and then you have 
others who so you have people who don't want to be overt um and you have to realize that it's the level of skill and there's the level of excellence that really really matters and so if you're tackling something that's more subtle more understated you know the architecture is christian you know truth goodness and beauty it's all there its success or failure is not going to be con- you know connected to how overt it is it's going to be connected to how excellent it is mm. okay and- let's take okay here's an example i think i got one with a uh, a modern hymn that i like like in christ alone yeah um the gettys i think wrote that and there's I, it's a hymn that i like with decent words but would you say can we the sentimentalism is there a, an element of sentimentalism or is it shooting for something different or how this is a mean question for the gettys but how do you compare in christ alone to handel's messiah in this conversation well in christ alone is a folk song okay i mean it's yeah simple yeah it's a folk song for, and that doesn't mean it's bad yeah but it's lower on mm-hmm. the on the spectrum of artistic sophistication so right um it's it's not they would never say that it's Right, right. You know, they're they're yeah. ta- they're talented. They're talented musically. They wouldn't yeah. look at Handel's Messiah and say, "Yeah, we're right there." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're just we're right there. Do you think there's an element of sentimentalism in those folk songs? Then, I mean, I think it seems like yeah, a part of folk. There, there usually is. Yeah, they have some um, sweetness or something, some bitter sweetness usually with a yep, folk song. Yep, that makes it stick. And so there's there's nothing wrong with uh, sentiment. There is something wrong with sentimentalism where it's that and as soon as you add the ism it becomes about that yeah the sweetness is the thing that sanctifies it's the beating heart and this goes back to like die hard being a christmas movie Mm. what's missing from die hard like what's missing from die hard is sentimentalism not (laughs) not sentiment yeah lots of sentiment there's plenty of feeling but this this is not sentimentalist it's not the it's not all about the emotion it's not all about trying to conjure up the feels Mm. and so christian music can often be just trying to conjure up the feels yeah and that's that like if i can get the feels then it's then it's good it's like well that's not what actually says it's good or not well to jump back to your early question taking a bad holiday movie like the scores that get made every year could that girl not end up with the guy at the end of that movie sure and well done well right but in these movies no way not possible not possible because everybody would revolt yeah because you'd see right away how dumb the setup is and they might try to lie so I could make a Christmas movie about a, a girl who has a restoration of fellowship with her family. But you could you could do that. Yeah. And it could be a great moving. Yeah. Like, there could be sentiment, but it doesn't get to the wedding. It gets mm-hmm. to a restoration of fellowship. It gets to this, you know, this kind of the right kind of catharsis and it, it gets you there. Um, but that's a, a woman freed of any number of things. You know, you could you could really tell those stories. But they would be far more likely to say, we're going to tell a story that shows a woman can be happy without a man. And they, they would like, like lean the other direction and, tr- and, and do the exact same thing they were gotcha. doing, the exact same thing they were doing, but just the opposite. Like, hey, let's push the other way. Rather than and telling a story. Telling a character a story. Character that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Character who has flaws that you sympathize with, that you watch journey through right. you know, this the progression of the narrative. That wouldn't happen. Um, could you tell a story in which a happy ending is a woman leaving a man? Like, yeah, of course you could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Easy. Um, yeah. You know, like it's, it's not about that. I mean, Abigail um, leaves, yeah. leaves. I mean, she, she does, you know, slip, of. slip into somebody else's DMS, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 
yeah, she leaves a man. But we could have told the sto- that story without David even. Like you could have a woman delivered from a man could be a great story too. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the point is excellence. And so not yeah. overt, covert. It's got to just be excellent. And so when you look at fiction, you look at why Lewis and Tolkien have made it. They're sort of those fictional equivalents. They're more in the Handel's Messiah mode like pagans want to tell these stories mm-hmm. like people who hate everything tolkien and lewis loved want to tell these stories they were they were swallowed by these stories the, the momentum of the of the world and the story grip swept these people up yeah. you know I, I think i've mentioned here before that one of one of my editors first one i worked with told me he was in the business because somebody gave him the line which in the wardrobe on christmas when he was six wow and he's been trying to capture that feeling again ever since and he was an unbeliever, but he was like, he'd, he'd given his life in the pursuit of that aroma and that sensation. Uh, his entire professional career was focused on Oof. chasing. It must be tough with missing the Christian aspect yeah. of that. <laughs> chasing like, that. Uh, yeah. trying, trying to chase that thing. That's, that's what great Christian art does, even though Lion, Lynch, and Wardrobe is more folksy. Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's lower, but it still is wildly compelling. So it doesn't really matter if you're talking about high art, low art, middle brow, if you're doing it with really profound excellence, you know, if you, if you really are pursuing that, that's, that's going to make it last more than anything else. And there's, there's plenty of things I do that are covert, plenty of things I'm doing that are sneaky. I'm not just trying to do the gospel story over and over and over again. Handel wrote a lot of other things too. Yep. Well, I was reminded oftentimes we'll say with new authors who send a pitch in that doesn't work, you say, Hey, you're being too overt, but you're right. It's not the overtness of it. Cause I just finished reading grand Graham Greene's the end of the affair, which is the story right. about like three conversions Yep, and it's just back to back to back conversions. And it's, and they tell you what they're doing. They tell you the guilt they're feeling. You tell them how God answered that guilt, but the novel works for Christians and non-Christians alike as you track this one character. Yeah. Through that. And I think part of that is just a lot of the human element that Graham Greene saw in, I mean, he's a bit of a weirdo, I think, but um, uh, aren't we all? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but watching him tell a story about this really poisoned person who yeah. gradually is confronted with their own actions. I mean, it's compelling and also very overt. You can't finish that. Yep. And, and oh, it's right down the middle. Peace like a river is that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Very overt and yet excellent. Yeah. Uh, Beautiful Ruins is more uh covert covert doesn't quite have the answers but still okay is like comes together and like how trying to find peace like striving for stillness and peace Uh rest uh and watching that struggle like yeah could a christian author have written that or some i shouldn't say uh that as if jess is not a christian author but could somebody Mm -hmm. more conscious like more consciously working their faith into the story have written that written that book yeah they could have and they would have had to change some things but Mm-hmm. like yes that that structure and that destination is you know more on the the covert side but could become overt like it would have been completely fine to go overt at the end and, do you, yeah do you and think- i think that's that's what ultimately makes things stick so was was flannery o'connor uh sneaky about her about her faith or what she thought and like did she did she like kiss any rings at all with her short fiction? Mm-mm. Like, I mean, no, the, yeah. it was not, 
none of it was coddling. None, none of it was, <laughs> hey, I've made you the cinnamon roll. Don't you like? Yeah. It was, it was all dark, dark grace, dark gospel, like hard, violent breakage. Do you think it's just the lens with Flannery O'Connor? Right? Because she just stops all the stories. Yeah. I mean, right I, at the moment of conversion and, and, and she's not interested in telling you. Judgment or conversion. Change. Yeah. Judgment yeah. So conversion. I think that her short fiction is pretty phenomenal and is overwhelmingly like somebody framing a short story about Paul that ends at the Damascus road. Yeah. You know, so yep. eyes if, open or so, eyes open by being blinded, but, and completely hypocritical. Mm-hmm absolutely the worst a snake a murderer <laughs> like he's this awful character and taking him to the point where he gets knocked off his donkey and that and then she would be like scene that's my short yeah. story yeah. like i'm taking this character to this point and then th- that was her short fiction when because of her theological uh confusion uh her novels struggle like the long form like the the overarching pursuit of holiness, like how does one live towards holiness and live, you know, a journey of sanctification? She can't do, but she could do that. She could do the the Saint Paul conversion story, and that's over and over yeah. and over again. She takes she these characters. The, she does Samson right She'd into do the, Samson yeah, till the death, every right time. into the fist of providence, just like jabam, like just getting yeah. blasted, and then the yeah. Bible salesman stole your prosthetic leg, and you're stuck in the hayloft. Yeah. <laughs> like this yep. is uh which is one of my favorites yeah that's a great one but anyway the, the point is like how overt you are is not an issue and it should you should never be overt i don't think you should ever be overt because you are guilt pushed to be so i don't think you should be overtly christian in your art because you feel like i have to be like i have to be you definitely shouldn't be for just mm. market and manipulation reasons you should be because this piece of art requires it this mm-hmm. it's required here this is going to be overt this story should be covert this story is doing something else and in both of them you should be pursuing absolute excellence uh god honoring excellence the kind of excellence that people will want to be involved with associated with stand near because there's a warmth to it there's a glory mm-hmm. to it um and you know we want to we want to be building all these little lighthouses of grace these lighthouses of truth. Like all of us, whenever we're building something artistic, we're trying to like yeah. stand something up and put fire in the top. And that's what we want. Like just something that's going to throw light. How do you go for that though, as an artist? Because there's, if I know, or I feel like I know stories of many Christians who their goal would be to be playing in the Lincoln Center and the way they've gone about doing that. <laughs> right. That ruins everything about them. Yep. Like, like their goal is, yeah, I want to be the people that all of the New York City flocks to to read or listen to. So how do you, uh, how do you go about getting there? They're bending, um, overwhelmingly, they're bending to the taste of those people. Okay. And so uh, right now in 2022, Handel's Messiah, like if somebody wrote that, it wouldn't go anywhere. It wouldn't do anything. It has the momentum of history with it and the yeah. momentum of excellence with it. Um, so the the question is, if you are making something beautiful and glorious and you're really doing it profoundly well, you know, you're, you're achieving it with excellence, then you are not trying to modify it to the current trendy taste of the crowd. 
Like, yeah. It's yeah. Okay. No, no okay. great ones. No great ones are ever saying to themselves, these, these stories are big right now. This is but vampire stories are big, right? Now. I'm going to write a vampire story, but Christian, like, because it's going to move some. Yeah, people. dystopian's big right now, so I'm going to write dystopian, but it's going to be Christian. Like nobody does that. Who's great? So a good author is pursuing something true on their own. Yeah, and they're pursuing something true, good, and beautiful, and then they are trying to construct it in a way that will impact. Yeah, the consumer, impact the reader, in, impact the viewer, but they're not pulling them in advance. They're not putting their finger in the wind and saying, what is everybody, what is everybody loving these days? And how can I step into your love? Yeah. And when, you know, those people that you know, that I know who want to quote unquote, make it in the world, start bending their taste and bending their standards of true, good, and beautiful to accommodate the world. Mm -hmm. And they are all disjointed in order to fit that mold instead of pursuing uh pursuing things that are worth telling stories worth telling yeah shows worth making and pursuing those with uh an intense commitment to doing it in a god-honoring way and knowing that he who is excellent in his work will stand before kings yeah. if you actually are doing that like really striving for that cream rises um now i have friends who aren't christians who've fallen into similar traps where the, well, actually, this is kind of the opposite trap. Where they'd say, "Hey, if if the reader doesn't get it, that's their fault. I'm doing something yeah. on my own." And yep. I, I think probably this is for me. It's an, the narcissistic artist self-expression yeah. thing. Yeah, it's not about self-expression. It's about something that's good and valuable. Yeah, and so a thing that is valuable is valuable, like period. Mm -hmm. It's it's valuable because God made it that way. Then it has value. Um, if you are like grinding and building the arc through, you know, decades and decades, nobody else sees the value. It doesn't matter. Then you can be saying like, I know this is valuable and I don't care about you all. Like I'm doing, okay. yeah. I'm doing this thing because it's valuable, but there's this, there is an absolute trap in the art world about self-expression. And I just have the story I have to get out. I just have this thing I have to get out. And God did make us that way where we can have something that, we're just itchy for yeah. like, I have to tell this. Um, and that can be something that leads you astray or it can be something that is, you know, shows you what you should work on because you have to be willing to give a year to it or two years to it if you're going to really do it. Mm. So you better have that kind of, <laughs> uh, commitment. yeah, you better have that kind of commitment. So there are the way too many artists and authors who are committed to the idea of them being an artist or an author. Mm -hmm. That's their commitment. Yep. And so they're going to write any story that will get published. They will write any story that will, you know, hopefully make their fans happy. You know, like they're going to, like, that's how they are going to proceed instead of what's the thing you think is the, the next best meal you're capable of serving. What's the next great meal you can put on the table? What's the biggest bonfire you can light to, you know, throw the most light around the world? Um, and looking for that with your time and with your energies. Now, pragmatism kicks in and people are like, well, there's this one that might be great and excellent, but I need to make money, mm -hmm. you know? And so I'm going to, I'm going to whip out some Star Trek fan fiction or something. Yeah. You know, like there's some reality to that, but just know where you are. Like you're, you're not one of, you're not a great artist. Yeah. You know, like that's yeah. like, you're just, you just aren't. So that's yeah. fine. 
you don't you know you know you don't have to be yeah but if you really are a great a great artist is going to be looking at what is the thing they can do like what is the flag they can plant what is the edifice they can build in the culture that will be the most impactful and the the most god honoring the highest return for their effort um and that is it varies wildly and there's nothing wrong with you know feeding the family there's nothing wrong with keeping a roof over over your head yeah. with something people want and and for sure you do make strategic decisions like that sometimes yeah you have to absolutely i mean you could tell a story about anything and it's actually <laughs> it's kind of funny because if you are if if you are a, a chef for example and this is the food podcast you know where stories are soul food so if we're going to if we're going to run with this metaphor and you're a chef and you are working in your restaurant that you started and you're trying to feed your family and pay tuition and like be a, a good dad and you are putting some things out there on the menu that you think are magnificent mm. and nobody likes them mm. like is there anything wrong with saying okay it's time to dial in a really good pub burger like no there's yeah. no absolutely you gotta you gotta feed people and you have to feed people in order to feed your people yeah there's nothing wrong with that um no. so there there's no, there's nothing and as good as a cauliflower taco might be <laughs> sometimes the it people... might have been it might have been magnificent you also just might be diluted because you're in your own little your own little art ecosystem you yeah. think it would be great and the crowd has given you true wisdom and <laughs> said no no thank you <laughs> no thank you so there is a there is the impulse of artists to become highfalutin and to try to like chase the accolades of critics and peers yeah. more than to execute their calling which is to feed people yeah successfully feed them there's other times people are putting stuff on the plate that they know is not healthy like they they know yeah. it's not healthy yeah and they're doing it for money and that is that is an issue right so it's like ah, uh, yeah i'll write this horrible show i'll produce this horrible film i'll put that novel out there i know it's really bad for teenage girls but they'll all buy it yep like and that's and that that's where the real problem happens well i mean i, I think it does seem like novels have changed a little bit recently with, you know, it used to be, Hey, if you were a serious artist, you wrote literary fiction, right? You, you're, you're the, yeah. the lit fiction, but now it feels like the genres are all creeping back in and now literary fiction and genre fiction are mixed. Yep. And, uh, realism is dying. Yeah. Quote unquote, the old realism is dying, which is mm -hmm. great. So I was going to ask you, what do you think about that? I mean, in one sense, and especially when you look at the, the best of the literary fiction, it was, it's generally bad stuff, really depressing, yeah. really dark, yep. self-obsessed, narcissistic. Yep. Uh, and then you go back a little further, that's when you hit, oh, wow, those are some great novels. The, liter the literary yep. fiction in the, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, post-World War II. Yeah, mid-century. Yeah, you start to get some actually good literary fiction. I, so I guess I almost don't mind that they're popularizing literary fiction. It's being genre-fied. Oh, great. Um, and I think, it's, I think it's thanks to Hollywood. Okay. So. And the long-term consequences, we'll see. But when movies like Dune are huge, you know, like, and people are like, oh, wow, there's this whole renaissance for this old genre fiction and it's, you know, it's going to keep on going. And Dune is continuing to live on when greater works have died. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's continuing on, but in, in a vacuum, if we went side by side with other novels of, the, of that year, whenever Dune was first published, and we went and found, could we find better novels from that year that are now out of print like better one, one executed would assume so it's yeah. too hard to find out to i would honest. i would think yes 
Yeah. Like just knowing Dune, I would think yes. Yeah. Just sprawling and undisciplined. Yeah. And kind so of, kind of fun. But then now here's this, this kind of really immersive world that's been built visually and it's come back around and people are seeing the longevity that can come like the longevity that's there if your food continues to be fun to eat yeah you know so are there too many burger places in the world it's like well probably and yet will all of them fail it's like no probably more will succeed yeah you know well, i mean if you compare uh, shake shack's doing fine five guys doing yeah. fine yep you know it's like they elbowed yeah. their way in there and now we have more burger places <laughs> you know <laughs> when you compare like uh, i what is that is it What's her name? Eleanor Oliphant's completely fine. A book about alcoholic, basically lit lit fiction about alcoholic, compared to what seems to be going out now in the same genre, which is a lot of psychological thrillers yeah. about single female leads. You know, rather than them being sad alcoholics, You're talking about the girl in the window genre. Yeah, yeah. Now there's like, you know, did something happen? Yeah. Are they going to be murdered? I don't know. I have a hard time saying that. The girl in the window across from the yeah. window across from the train. Yeah. That's the is sequel just, to the sequel to the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't it seem worse, right? Girl on a train watching the window. Yeah. Girl <laughs> on a boat. Of, and the thing is, if you actually look at the color blue on book covers right now as well, like blue and yellow, like warm yellow, like it's it's yeah. everywhere. <laughs> like mm. it's I just I just bought a book in Oxford uh, because the cover was so unique. It was like, oh, this is like I was. Do you have it? You have to bring a picture. I do have it. It's called the Gallows Pole. I'll have to look um, it up because I want to see. Hard green, uh, black silhouette of a man, and then uh, pink, really, really pink coins on his eyes. Ooh. And I was just like, whoa! <laughs> like it was really striking, and not like anything you'll see in. Oh, an, there it is. Anything you'll see in an airport bookstore. Like when you're walking through an airport bookstore right now, they look like the they're all trying to yeah. be mistaken for each other. So all you, trying to so be girl you on might, a train, yeah. You might accidentally buy that one instead of the other one. You um, would never mix up the gallows pole though. With anything. <laughs> a long haired. And it's, you know, parts dude. of it are interesting. Most of it's not. Um, some pretty, some well. pretty bad stuff in there. But it's uh, <laughs> you can't win all, right? You can get a no. book cover or a novel. Never, yeah, but never both. <laughs> I bought it as a tribute to the cover designer. I appreciate a well-designed James cover. James Ingerbretson will be so happy. He, uh, I'm a, I really do do that. It's like buying albums. I still buy albums because because yeah. I refuse to stop. Um, but yeah, I, I think as far as Christian art goes, and my whole contemplation post Handel's Messiah was just like, man, the overt covert thing is so yeah. garbage. It's like there's a there's a gravity, there's a force, there's a tidal wave to great artistic execution that just sweeps people up with it and takes them. Um, and so that we've made fun of Rings of Power. Mm -hmm. um, there goes your phone again, I think. But Something. the uh, yeah, what is that? Ticket, 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 ticket. Or I oh, will just blame you. We'll just say it's you. Uh, you think about Rings of Power and even the fact that it's garbage. The fact that people are still investing that much money trying to tell stories in Tolkien's world is phenomenal. I mean, it's a great testimony to his achievement uh, and what, what he actually pulled off. Yeah. So it will go away. Rings of Power will go away and other things will replace it. And Tolkien will continue to, Yeah. you know, there will be Tolkien revivals a long, a long time from now. So a Christian artist should be pursuing the great, the excellent. Yeah. And kind of like damn the torpedoes when it comes to overt and covert, whatever that particular work requires. 
Yeah, that's good. That's that's a great correction. The temptation is really to be, oh, we don't tell a conversion story because it's too yeah. overt. And they're saying, it's like, why not? Like the God you're, does. you're actually too bad at it. That's yeah, the, <laughs> the thing is, you're that's not, fair to say. The thing is, you're not doing it well. <laughs> yeah. So, and this goes back to like, is something art or not art? Is it a Christmas movie or not a Christmas movie? It's like, yeah. it's much better to say, it's just bad. It's you're bad at it. This mm. is bad. This book is bad. This book is good. Rather than this one's Christian, not Christian. Yeah. Like bad, good. One of these days, I'll find. I'll make it. Make you make an artistic distinction. That will stick to it. I'm That'll all about goal. distinctions. Qualitative. Is it? Is it the? Uh, <laughs> Not what, okay. Okay. <laughs> throw it down. Explain your gauntlet here, and we'll leave on this. <laughs> well, uh, maybe finally we have the topic for episode 100. Yeah. While no, we eat the nachos I, and slurp the ramen <laughs> and whatever else we do in the microphones, <laughs> and crack the cokes. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that sounds a nice one. I I I I still think. I, I've been thinking about your evil one for quite some time. Your your discussion of evil not existing as oh, a thing yeah. on its own. And that's one I need to come back to at some point. You're um, a Platonist. I, I mean, maybe. No, you're not. It's not I, allowed. <laughs> this would be the end of the road for the podcast. <laughs> right. We literally burned down right now. Uh, I, I don't want to be a Platonist. Perfect. I, um, but I think I need to go back and read Augustine and come reloaded with some some Augustine and see if you, yeah you did him did him wrong i did not i didn't i did him a kindness <laughs> <laughs> and i see in the in moving on and moving on from his conception of evil yeah he does great work there but no and, you know it's like just no yeah. the the displeasure of god is enough of a metric you don't need there to be uh an absence of some white yeah. sauce or yeah. a presence of some black sauce yeah no, I know. You're just too Star Wars catechized. The way that that's possible. The way you framed it makes it impossible for me to win. So I need to re <laughs> reframe the conversation. Why do you think I framed it that way, Brian? <laughs> uh, the other thing we need that's to talk about. That's why I frame everything the way I frame <laughs> The other way we need to talk, the other thing we need to talk about is AI. I'm going to get a chat GPT to, to write some ND Wilson for me. Mm. And then we'll come discuss that and see if the nice. robots are going to. That could solve my life. Could solve could solve the end of silent bells. <laughs> yeah. I could really that could really fix some things. Yeah. So that's what we have to look forward to. And then of course the great episode one hundred. Whatever that is. Whatever it yeah. is we're talking about. You know what we'll do for one hundred? Let's just take the week off. That'd be fun. <laughs> that would be fun. We let's could just, do it right now. Let's just release a Grey Havens album. We'll just cut and restart, release a Grey Havens album. Episode one hundred. Listen to this. Yeah. The, and then we'll just come back. All later. we have to do is do the announcement for episode 100. And you probably don't know what the announcement is, but I don't. Yep. Wait till episode 100 and Nate also will find out. <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's the announcement? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll find out already. Okay. Hi, it's Brian Cole here. Wanting to let you know how you can support the stories, our soul food podcast. You can do that by checking out Canon Plus. Head over to mycanonplus.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the SASF podcast. We'll hopefully be seeing you at mycanonplus.com. Mm-hmm.